The following is a special sports presentation of UltimateSportsTalk.com. A swing and a drive to deep right, away back, goal! Interesting few days between the Cleveland Indians and the Cincinnati Reds. The Reds' bats suddenly have gone silent, and the Indians never really had any bats, so we won't even talk about that. Good evening, everyone. I'm Dave Mitchell, and alongside is Blake Watson, and welcome to the Ohio Baseball Weekly Show here on UltimateSportsTalk.com. Glad to have you along here this evening as we talk about the Reds and the Indians. And Blake, I know talking to you off air. Had to be a little disappointed over the past few days about the Reds' bats and what has happened to them lately. Yeah, I mean, it all started, you know, a week ago with the bullpen. Um, you know, right after, it feels like right after we got off the show last week, the Reds' bullpen imploded three days in a row. Um, and that, then the Diamondback series. And then, you know, you go to St. Louis and you don't hit. It's just, it's just from, a week and a half ago, one of the best teams in baseball. To a week later, they haven't won a game. It's it's, it's tough to watch, man. It's, it's difficult to deal with. Um, it's difficult to continue to stay interested in what they've got going on there. Now, I we'll get back to the bats here in a second. But yesterday, the the incident uh, between Flaherty, the pitcher for the Cardinals, and Jonathan India, who got hit in the head in the helmet with a pitch. I don't know, Blake, the way I looked at it, and, and I saw it happen live and then went back and looked at it on the replays on YouTube and everything, I either Flaherty is the greatest actor in the world or that was a pitch that just got away from him. Yeah, I don't think there was. I really don't think there was any intent behind it. Um, he, uh, he's, you know, I don't think there's ever an intent to hit anyone in the head. If they were going to hit anybody in the head for retaliation, it would have been Castellanos. Um, Jonathan India seems to be a relatively well-liked young man. Um, so it's, I don't know, I don't think there's any intent. But then again, I do like David Bell sticking up and fighting for his dudes, especially after all the bullcrap that came out of the last time this happened. Um, so, I mean, I'm okay with David Bell coming out and having, having words. The only thing that concerns me about it, Blake, is... Uh, the way the umpires, they don't give you the chance to retaliate. And I know they're trying to stay away from that. But, you know, in the old days, and, uh, you know, Chuck Murray and I go back to the old days all the time, but um, the baseball teams would handle that on the on the, the field, and nobody had to worry about it. It was all taken care of. It was done. It was over with. Nowadays, the umpires, and like they did yesterday, they issued a warning after that happened, and the Reds didn't have an opportunity to... to Retaliate, retaliate, issue a payback or anything, and I just think that's a big mistake on the umpire's part. I think they overreacted to that. Oh, without a doubt. Um, I think if, if what happened, you know, game two of the season didn't happen, that that doesn't happen yesterday. Um, they don't, they don't take it that far right away as far as the umpiring crew goes. Um, I think it's just something that's all right. He got hit. Let's keep it moving. Um, but because of the benches clearing thing, you know, a couple weeks ago. They, they 
felt the need right away to shut it down like it was going to be a problem. And I just don't think it was going to. I don't think there's any intent for anybody to hit anybody in the head, so I don't think the Reds would have taken it any further. Yeah, and and I agree with you. David Bell coming out and st- and sticking up for his players, I, I thought that was the right thing to do. And, you know, but I also, and I don't do this very often, I also got to give Joe West a lot of credit. Um, I thought he had a quick trigger on issuing the warning, and I thought he had a quick trigger on throwing David Bell out, but he let Bell issue his complaints for as long as Bell wanted to, and West stood there and took it. Yeah, I mean, at that point, he kind of knew he had to. I mean, what what can you do? Um, You can't, you're already ready to throw the guy out. You've already warned the benches. If you start, you know, being belligerent back to him, me, me and umpires have never gotten along um, <laughs> because typically most umpires you can't talk to, you can't have a conversation with. And Joe West is actually one that, you know, traditionally allows you to talk a little bit and not necessarily in, in a, um, in a bad way. Like he just, he lets it go. Um, you know, people have legitimate gripes with umpires sometimes and those dudes feel like they're above reproach. Um, they're the only ones. My, my my thing always was when I'm playing softball or when I'm coaching summer baseball, it's, hey, you guys are the only ones getting paid to be here. So if you want to, if somebody's got a complaint, you're going to listen to it. Like, we're all out here, you know, volunteer. You're going to, you're going to sit and take what I have to say. <laughs> do they pay, do they pay them enough to do that? Hey, I'm not, I'm not a, I don't belittle <laughs> umpires. I don't yell at them. But if I want to have a conversation, even if I'm not happy, I want to have a conversation. An umpire needs to have that. Like that's not okay. They're not the only guys in the world that can't get talked to about their their job performance. No, you're right. You're right. You know what what is going on with the Reds bats right now? What's happening to them at the plate? I I think it's it's hard to say. I think they miss Mike Newstockis really, really, really bad, um, and not necessarily as a you know a middle of the order of bat. I think his leadership. Um, everything he does from a clubhouse perspective, I think they miss him tremendously. There's no, there's no coincidence that this slide in Mike Moustakis's kind of rare, weird, um, illness they keep talking about, but they keep saying it's not COVID related. Um, but he's on the bench. He seems okay on the bench. He just can't play in games. I don't really understand it. Um, but the, the slide has coincided directly with Mike Moustakis' absence from the, from the team. Plus, it kind of started during the two games that Nick Castellanos had to sit. Those are two of your best offensive players. Um, and, you know, when they miss time, your lineup gets really short. Um, not to mention, a. Eugenio Suarez couldn't hit water if he fell out of a boat. So, Yeah, he, and, and that's been going on now. Uh, into last year. I mean, he did catch fire for a couple of weeks towards the end of last year, but for a majority of the 60 games that they played last year, I'm going to say about 40 of the games he had trouble with, and now this year he he seems to have a problem with, and and um, it's just it's really hard to pinpoint with him. Uh, I don't think so. I think it's he's way too concerned with hitting home runs. Um. Since he hit those 49 home runs, all he's been concerned about is hitting 50. And, you know, you can't be a productive major league player if you're 
always concerned about driving the ball out of the ballpark. He needs to be, I mean, if you really watch his at-bats, if anybody throws him anything that's not a slider or curveball down and away, they're idiots because he cannot hit it right now. He's bailing so far out to try to pull the ball out of the ballpark, he cannot hit the ball down and away. It's impossible with the way he's swinging the bat. So it, it, it's just tough to watch because he is a much better hitter than that. Um, and I think there's also something to be said about the fact that he's very concerned with trying to be at least an adequate shortstop. Um, that happens from time to time when guys move positions. They're off, they struggle offensively because of it. So I think that might be part of it as well. But it, it, at this point, you know, it's all excuses. you got to figure it out. Well, speaking of figuring things out, I think the Cleveland Indians have got a decision that needs to be made within the next week. Um, and that decision is what to do with Jake Bowers. And you and I both know, and anybody who's listened to this show consistently, uh, we, we all know that I am not a fan of Jake Bowers. I thought it was ridiculous to get him from Tampa when they did. Um, I, I have never liked this guy. I think he's a punch and Judy hitter, and you've got to have more than that at the first base position. And, and it's really kind of funny, Blake. I mean, do you consider the New York Yankees a, a, a hard-hitting team? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. The funny thing about it is the New York Yankees have less production at first base this year than the Cleveland Indians do. And that is a strange anomaly. Normally, with the Yankees, you envision them having, you know, great power from every position, especially first and third. For as long as I remember the Yankees, they've always had a first baseman that can crush the baseball. And this year, when they're playing LeMahieu at second base most of the time, now they've got Roughnet Odor to play second. But when you've got LeMahieu not playing first base, they don't have any production at that position. And neither do the Indians. But the Indians don't have any production on a consistent basis at the positions that the Yankees do. And that is what really killed the Indians. This weekend was the stand against the Yankees, where they lost three out of four, was Jake Bowers. You cannot put Jake Bowers into the lineup for the Indians and expect to win a baseball game because you're beat, you're dealing with only eight hitters in the lineup compared to the other team's nine. And that may seem like a small little comparison, but it's the truth. Jake Bowers is the Major League's worst hitter right now. He has got a batting average, Blake, of 121, an on-base percentage of 171. He's got a slugging percentage of 152. I don't know what else. In 33 at-bats, 16 games, he's got four hits, one double. And I remember seeing two of the four hits, and they were bleeders through the infield. This guy cannot make contact, and he is a detriment to this team. They've got to get. If I'm going to play a guy at first base that's going to hit 121, Blake, I want it to be a guy from the minor leagues that's got an upside like a Bobby Bradley. I don't need Jake Bowers clogging up a spot on my roster when he's hitting 120. I just don't. That It's absolutely unbelievable that the Indians are continuing with this guy at first base. <laughs> I think it's funny. Your, 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 your hatred for Jake Bowers runs deep. <laughs> um, 
I think you hate hate Jake Bowers as much as I hate the Ohio State Buckeyes. Um, <laughs> he's, he's obviously struggling tremendously. Um, that's that's not. I didn't realize his numbers were that bad. I knew he wasn't having a great year, but I didn't know they were that bad. Um, but yeah, it's it's fine, right? Like at some point, you gotta you gotta pull the plug on these experiments and, and just move on. I'm so, I'm really surprised he hasn't been DFA'd. Um, somebody would likely claim him off a waiver so they wouldn't even have to pay him. I just, I don't get it, man. I don't understand how you continuously watch a guy run out there who flat out can't hit. And again, he, he must do something in, in, uh, in batting practice and work with the hitting coaches and stuff with the Tito Francona sees and we don't. Um, it's, it, it, it's amazing that that dude continues to have a major league baseball job. And I see dudes at the D3 level without him at that level. So it's crazy. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm looking at a guy. Uh, I mean, let's just – you talk about D3 level. How about a Ryan Bixler? Yeah, that kid can really hit. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, and Transylvania, uh, I can't remember the kid's name right now, but he was the shortstop. Um, the, the, yeah, yeah, that played for Transylvania. Good hitter. Really good, solid hitter. And when you watch Jake Bowers play first base and go up to the plate, you just know he's going to be lucky to foul the ball off, Blake. I mean, it's it's constantly something like that. Now the Indians have gone with this experiment where they're, they're bringing in Naylor to play first base, and they've moved Luplo from center. They're going to continue to play Rosario out in center, They've moved Luplo to right field to take Na- uh, Naylor's place, and they've got Naylor at first base. Now, if that's going to be their plan, then let's just do it and not shift everybody around like they have been. I mean, I, it, it's hard for me to accept, but this Indians team is not going to challenge for the division. If they do, it's strictly because of their pitching and defense. They've got three guys on this team that can hit consistently. Reyes can hit, Fran, Franmil Reyes, you've got Jose Ramirez, and you've got uh, Rosario, Eddie Rosario. Those are the three guys that can consistently hit. And they've got two guys in the minors that I would really love to see them bring up and play. Bobby Bradley and Owen Miller. And Owen Miller is one of the guys they got in the Francisco Lindor trade, which, by the way, you want to talk about a disappointment so far? What about Francisco Lindor with the Mets? For sure, it's not been it's not been a uh, a productive marriage in New York just yet. I think it's, at, at some point they might regret signing that uh that deal. Because um, I, I I don't know, man. You expected him to be much better than he's been in New York. I also didn't expect the New York Mets to be that good either. I know a lot of people had him as like a, a sleeper pick to win that division, and I just didn't get it um, because, you know, Lindor is a good player, um, a really good player. At one point, maybe the best shortstop in baseball, and DeGrom is really good. Outside of that, they're just okay everywhere. I mean, Pete Alonso is pretty good. It's just that I don't like when people, you know, get those 
those, you know, fancy picks or teams that have never even come close to winning before because they don't know how to do it. Um, it, it uh, that $341 million, $10 or 10 year, um, contract, man, that, that's gonna, that, that might end up being one that they regret. Yeah, it, it, it could be, but, you know, he wasn't going to re-sign with the Indians. That Well, the Indians were not going to re-sign him. Let's put it that way. I think if the Indians... Yeah, I, I think if the Indians would have come in with that kind of a contract, he'd have signed with the Indians, or even a, even a 10-year, $300 million contract. But the best that I understand that the Indians offered him was a 10-year, $250 million contract. Uh, you're not going to get, especially with the union, um, the opportunity to get that much of a hometown discount. It's just not going to happen. You know, we, we've talked about, we've talked about the Reds bats, but Blake, what's going on with Amir Garrett? Uh, he can't throw more than one pitch. Um, it's, when you can only throw one pitch for a strike, it doesn't matter how good that pitch is. Um, his slider is dynamic. It's outstanding. It's one of the better sliders in all of baseball. But if it's the only pitch you can throw for a strike, it's going to get hit. Uh, we saw that, we saw that at times when, you know, Chapman went away from his secondary stuff and only threw the 104 mile an hour fastball. And Chapman's fastball was way better than Garrett's slider ever thought about being. Um, but he would get hit. If you can't throw other stuff for strikes, there's no fear. And he can throw 96. I don't understand why he will not commit to throwing his fastball for strikes. So he's, he's too concerned with, with, uh, you know, he talks about all on social media playing at the MLB the show and dude, worry about getting dudes out. That bullpen is a joke. I saw, I heard a stat yesterday. <laughs> the Reds have a total of like $6.2 million invested in their bullpen this year. A total, and that counts the two they're giving Sean Doolittle. So you can't expect to to have an outstanding bullpen if you're not going to commit to it. And trading Rysel Iglesias, I thought was a necessary evil, um, you know, is a, is a way to cut some costs. First off, they should have never paid Rysel Iglesias the contract they gave him, but that's here nor there. He's gone. The guy that they got for him can't make the club. Um, it's it's not. It's just not a good set up for that red bullpen. I really wanted him to go out and get a, a reliever of the caliber, you know, a brand hand or somebody like that. Not necessarily him, because I know you have talked about him. Um, I wanted them to get somebody with legitimate big league experience back into that bullpen. And while Doolittle has, has pitched pretty well for the most part, he's had one really rough out. Even other than that, he's pitched okay. Um, he, he's just you know, he's kind of washed up. He's at the end of his career, he had, his uh, velo has dropped three miles an hour since since uh, he's been good. Like, he was at 96, 97 when he was really good. Now he's touching 92. Um, but I really wanted a legitimate bullpen arm. They really miss Michael Lorenzen in that bullpen as well. And the problem is, when he comes back, he's probably going to start. Um, so, I, I don't know. I don't know what the answer is for that Reds bullpen. Um, TJ Antone is probably best suited to close right now, but that's again, that's maybe your biggest weapon in your pitching staff outside of Tyler Malley right now. And that dude can throw three or four innings and win a ball game for you. So I don't want him as a ninth inning guy. Um, 
I don't know, man. It's just a broken bullpen. There is no rhyme or reason to the way it's used. Um, they don't have, you know, you look around baseball and they got, everybody's got arms throwing 98-99 and we just don't have that guy in the bullpen. Um, it's just, it's a tough watch in the bullpen. I mean, they were really, really, really bad to begin last year. And they started off okay this year, and now they're back to that really bad uh, start of the, of, of the 2020 season. So I don't know what it's going to look like going forward, but I hope Amir Garrett is not the closer. Yeah, and, and when you look at the Reds, Blake, this is the second straight year that they have really, during the offseason, revamped their bullpen. Well, yeah, and they revamped the bullpen without making dramatic changes realistically. Like, they didn't go out and get anybody. They just subtracted. Um, if the Reds were going to go with this, uh, this bullpen, they should have really thought about bringing Archie Bradley back. Um, I think Archie Bradley would be a, a legitimate steadying influence late in games for this team. Um, I think Amir Garrett's a little bit too much of a, uh, of a head case to be the closer. Um, he's a little too worried about everything else instead of baseball to be the closer. So they definitely remade the bullpen, and it's not better for sure. What What's the difference in your mind, because I've got some opinions on this obviously, but what's the difference in your mind between the way the Reds organization Builds a bullpen and the way the Indians organization builds theirs. It feels to me like everyone that ever ends up in the Reds bullpen is a starting pitcher who couldn't hack it. Um, they, they, every one of those dudes, Lucas Sims was a starter, TJ Anton was a starter, Mary Garrett was a starter at one point in his career, Lorenzen was a starter. All the dudes that are like the better guys are guys that couldn't start ball games for you. Um, and they don't have any top end real just blow away arms. And that's the big difference to me. You know, the, the thing about the Indians is, and you, you make the mention that it seems like everybody in the bullpen for the Reds is, are starters that couldn't make it. The, the Indians, on the other hand, they actually prepare pitchers in the minor league level to be Relievers. I mean, for example, you've got James Karinchak, who's been a reliever all of his life. Phil Maton, who's been a reliever. The veterans that they bring in have always been relievers. Oliver Perez, you, you, you texted me the other night and said, how old is Oliver Perez? 90? You know, and, and yeah, but he's a left-hander. I'm sure struck out Babe Ruth. Yeah, I, yeah, but he's still a left-hander, Blake, that can get the ball over the plate and is effective. The, the, the crazy thing about Oliver Perez, too, is when he was a Red, he couldn't. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. And I think, and I love, I absolutely love Derek Johnson. They, there is a little bit too much faith in the Reds organization in this um, drive line spin rate stuff. Um, they are not as concerned with people that get dudes out. I don't care if you throw 82 if you get dudes out. Um, and that, that that bothers me a little bit. They're a little too analytical on the pitching side. Well, and they're too. Uh, and you say that, and and it brings up one of the topics that I wanted to bring up tonight: the exit velocity off the bat. You know, I, I remember Blake when Willie McCovey hit a ball. You knew it was gone. It didn't matter about the exit velocity for crying out loud. 
the ball was gone. Dave Kingman the same way. Uh, um, uh, now I, now I'm losing losing my mind on on who the other guy is that used to play for the San Diego Pod uh, San Diego Padres and went to the New York Yankees. Huge guy. Um, there's there's a lot of players out there. You know, all of a sudden the last three four years, it's the exit velocity off the bat. To me, that's just another ESPN big thing. Um, no, I don't, I disagree. And I think it's a little overplayed, but I think it absolutely matters. Hard hit contact matters. It's way harder to field a ball hit hard than it is a ball that's hit softly. Um, hard hit balls typically aren't lazy fly balls, which are the easiest out in baseball. Um, so I, I, I kind of disagree with you and that I think hard contact is important. Um, so, like, the actual number of exit velocity, I don't care about. But, like, I remember a week or so ago, right before Joey Votto went on his little streak, and now he's cold again, um, He, they were talking about he has, you know, many hard-hit balls than anyone in baseball. And that that matters to me. Because if you're hitting the ball hard, you're seeing the ball well, you're squaring the ball up. The results might not necessarily be what you think they're going to be, but it's way better to hit the ball hard and be out than it is, you know, to be not even close to hitting the ball hard. Um, well, then, then why don't we measure the miles per hour on the speed of the bat when they swing and miss? Because that's because what a lot. Not hitting the ball. Yeah, that's what a lot of batters are doing now. You either hit the ball hard, or you don't hit the ball at all. Um, and that's evidenced by the amount of strikeouts that guys are having. You know, Tony Gwynn. Didn't strike out a hundred times in his career. Yeah, and and you got guys that are that are striking out a hundred times. He would now in a half a season. I don't think he would now. A hundred percent, he would. No, um, I yeah, doubt. No, it. It, it, Tony. Well, Quinn's now, yeah, pure, yeah. For crying out loud, he's dead now. Tony Gwynn is the best pure hitter I've ever seen. Tony Gwynn would strike out a hundred times a year right now because. Of specialists, because after the fifth, eighth, sixth inning of a game, you would never see anything but left-handed pitchers throwing ninety-seven. They didn't. I, I love this argument all the time. Me and, me and my uncle have this argument all the time. Now, would Tony Gwynn still be unbelievable Hall of Famer, great right now? Absolutely, one hundred percent. But it wouldn't be the same. I mean, you had guys throwing. You know, most starters threw ninety, ninety-one back then, like. There, uh, there are obvious exceptions to that rule, right? Like the Bob Gibsons and those kind of guys always threw hard no matter what. But on average, baseballs are being thrown harder now. Uh, breaking balls are better now. And pitchers just don't throw as much, so their arms are fresher. Um, that, that, like, you didn't see guys coming in out of the bullpen back to back to back to back dudes throwing 96, 97, 98 miles an hour. Um, and that's one of the biggest reasons uh, that, that strikeouts are up. I, I I agree the three true out the three true outcomes of baseball is a problem for sure because um, everybody's cared about the strikeout, the walk, or the home run. That's all they're, they're worried about. And I get it. I completely agree with you. Um, but it's just it's a different game, and, and baseball goes through cycles, man. It, it just does. It's, it's, it's weird. It's hard to say what dudes would and wouldn't have done. Like Greg Maddox throwing 86 would still get everybody out nowadays. 
the grade is great no matter the era, but the average is so much better now than it was when Tony Gwynn played that it's just a different game. You know, it's interesting you bring that up, but I'm going to throw I'm going to throw a couple stats out at you from from Tony Gwynn. He faced 18 Hall of Fame pitchers for a total of 541 plate appearances in his career. That that's pretty much a full season's worth. Okay, he batted 331 against them. You you brought up you brought up Greg Maddox. Greg Maddox is a guy that Tony Gwynn hit 423 against in his career. He struck out only three times in a game once in his career, and that was against Bob Welch and the Dodgers in 1986. I mean, you look at a guy like this, and it doesn't matter if you bring in a lefty, for example, of of the caliber of a Steve Carlton, who he hit against a lot. It doesn't matter if you bring in a lefty like Randy Johnson and face a guy like this, because he's still going to hit the baseball, and he doesn't do it he does it with regularity and he didn't strike out. And my whole, my basis of this whole argument is, is that baseball players nowadays can only do two things. Hit a home run or strike out. They can't even bunt anymore, Blake. I mean, that's how irresponsible baseball players are. And it's going not only from the major leagues, but all the way down into little league. And I know you're going to say, you know, hey, you teach bunting, so did I. But still in all, when they get up into the higher levels, the bunt is a, is a, it, it's gone from the game. Might as well say it's gone. Well, no, it, it is. And it's, it's a different game. It's, 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 baseball is cyclical, man. It changes. It's, it's the same game played on the same field by different sets of rules. The rules are the same, but the rules in which it's actually like played by, people are trying to accomplish different things. I, I agree with you. I like small ball. I like the, the you know, like I said, Tony Gwynn's the greatest hitter I've ever seen. Um, but the one thing, too, that I, I disagree with with the way it's played now, and you're right, it's the three true outcomes. That's all that they care about. And my, my thing is that's not the same for every player. Now, you've got uh, Nicholas Castellanos. You've got a Fran Mill Reyes. Yeah, I want those dudes swinging for the downs. Like that's what I want those guys doing. That's what they're paid to do. You, you, but you, when you are talking to a guy like Billy Hamilton and you're talking about exit velocity and and launch angle, it's it's the worst possible thing you can ever do. You want that dude batting left handed every time and slapping the ball in the six hole. He'll never be out. Like you don't want that guy hitting line drives and fly balls. So to me, that's that's where the biggest issue lies is the fact that it is. Taught different. It's taught the same to everybody, regardless of their skill set. Now, I they can fly to try to hit home runs. That's stupid. I can't tell you who the player was, but when Charlie Manuel was manager of the Philadelphia Phillies, um, he had a minor leaguer that was trying to hit home runs all the time, and. He went up to the kid and said, I'm going to give you Kenny Lofton's number, phone number. He said, I want you to call Kenny Lofton and talk to him about how he had to change his game completely from trying to be a home run hitter to using his legs. And 
he will tell you how to play the game of baseball. I can't tell you who that player was that Charlie gave Kenny Lofton's number to, but I heard the story the other day. And the kid called Kenny Lofton, and to me, I think it's a travesty that Kenny Lofton, he and Omar Vizquel are not in the Hall of Fame uh, right now. But that being said, Kenny Lofton told this kid he had to transform his game. He had to learn how to play with his legs. He had to learn how to play with his glove. He had to learn how to slap the ball around the infield and the outfield. He when he, he knew that he could hit the ball out of the park in certain situations, and that's when he he tried to do it. But other than that, he played the game the way his talent dictated. Anymore, like Fran Mill Reyes, you brought up Reyes. He hit a three-run homer yesterday against the Yankees, Blake, to right field. You don't see power hitters anymore going the opposite direction. You just don't see it. And that that's my complaint about the game today. You got these guys, and you and I have discussed this, you got the, the way that they play the defenses anymore. You want them to stop shifting? Bunt the ball down the third baseline a couple of times. They'll, they'll shut that shift off. They'll quit it, especially if you're a left-handed hitter. They'll stop it. They'll go back to playing you normal because they don't want to give up a base hit two or three times in a row, and all of a sudden the bases are loaded and there's nobody out. How many times has Chuck said during a baseball game this year, Chuck Murray, who does the baseball games with me, if he drops a bunt down the third base line, it's a base hit. Well, same thing in Major League Baseball. But what do they do? They try to be egomaniacs and hit the ball through the shift. No, I, I don't think it's an ego thing at all. Um, I think the problem is people expect these guys to play a game one way their entire life and get to the bigs and change it. And I, if I'm there, I'm playing the way it's gotten to the major league base to major league baseball. I'm not changing. Now, laying down a bunt every so often down the third baseline, sure, why not? Keep them honest as much as you can. That's not. That doesn't. There are situations where that wins ball games, and the part that bothers me is when they can't. They can't do that in the situations where they should. Um, but typically, you know, a guy bunts to lead off a game and bunts it down a third, or lead off and end down a third base line. Man, he's going to stay at third for the next three or first because the next three guys are going to strike out. Um, so it, it's it's completely a, a wasted at bat when he could have hit a home run. I mean, I get the idea of what you're saying. And I would do it more, but to expect that it's going to change dramatically just isn't going to happen. Oh, I, I think I think if you get if you get guys up in the batting order, Blake, that they're per, they're pulling the shift on either it, to the left side of second base or the right side of second base, and you have three guys in a row that drop a bunt down, you're going to teach that team, hey, we got to play these guys even up, but nobody does it. I mean, the best play, the best play in baseball to me is not a home run. It's the hit and run where the batter hit the ball through the hole on the guy covering second base to get the guy who's stealing. That's the best play in baseball because it proves that that guy has back control and knows how to hit the baseball. Oh, I completely agree. It's just not the way the game is played. It's not going to be played that way. Um, it's, it's just, that's not going to change, regardless of what you or I think. Um, it, it's annoying, and I agree with you. I love a beautifully executed hit and run. We had one the other night, I think it was against when Transylvania was at the mound. Yeah. Um, it, it was beautiful. Guy steals, hits it right where the shortstop was, right before the bat. 
And it was it was a really pretty play. The problem is that's way harder to execute than it is to hit a home run. That's why it, it's not done. That's why you see it more. That's one of the reasons I love watching, you know, D3 baseball more because there isn't a dude that hits 19 home runs a year in 40 games. It doesn't happen very often. So they have to play small ball. They have to bunt for hits. They've got to play defense. They've got to put runners in motion. you got to bunt. Um, to, to be competitive, you have to be able to do those things. That's why I like our the game at our level so much. Um, but it, it's not going to change at the major league level. It's just way easier to win a game with a three-run home run than it is with seven straight hits. It just, it just is. Um, to score three runs, you need at least five hits probably instead of a home run. So it's, it's you know. Two walks and a blast is, is the same thing. I, I am, I do really like the idea that the most important thing in baseball are conserving outs. So that, that that's one of the things outside of the you know out of the Bill James Moneyball stuff that I do like because you can't win if you you give away outs. And that's why when people in Cincinnati used to cross Joey Votto, I, I would argue with him. Joey Votto walks a lot. No, Joey Votto gets on base a lot. Can he can he control what the dudes around him do? Not necessarily, but he's putting himself on base in an opportunity to score 50% of the time at some points. Like he was, his on base percentage was well over 400 for five straight years. Um, and, and it's not his responsibility to do everything. So if that's the best version of himself he can be, then what are we talking about? Right? Like that's my big thing in baseball is, is find out what works for guys and, and do it. If, if you're a home run hitter, hit home run. You're a punch and Judy guy, be a punch and Judy guy and play great defense. I'm okay with that. That's one of the reasons I like little Jonathan India so much is he doesn't try to play outside of himself. He plays the game the way he's supposed to play it. Um, and he does a really good job at it. Plays plus defense, makes contact, puts the ball in play. I like guys like that, but you need a mix of the different types of players. You know, that's one of my favorite things about old baseball. Is the lineup construction was so much fun because there were actually dudes with different skill sets, right? Like the Reds, Jesse Winker would have never let off for a baseball team in the early 1990s. Like he's a power guy. Like he hits home runs. He hits gap to gap power. He had batting, been batting second or fifth or sixth in most lineups in, in the middle of the 90s. Um, but because everybody's a threat to hit it out of the ballpark at all times, it's not as big of a deal. So I miss that part of lineup construction and finding, you know, who's the best leadoff hitter in baseball? Well, there really is no such thing as a leadoff hitter in baseball anymore. They're all power guys. And and when a team and when a team finally decides that they're gonna go back to small ball, steal bases and win a championship, that's when baseball will change again. I don't think it will, because I think you watch Tampa Bay got there last year playing that style of baseball, um, playing small ball, playing pitch and defense, um, put the ball in play, and they got to the World Series last year. Doesn't change the way anybody operates. Um, they didn't win it. They were bats away from winning. And that's, I, there are guys out there that continue to play it that way. But for a long time, I really wanted the, the Reds to get Adam Eaton. I love the way Adam Eaton plays. Uh, I always thought he was that kind of guy. Um, Whit Merrifield in, in, in Kansas City is that kind of guy. Um, yeah. There's dudes out there that play the game that way. I think Andrew Benintendi could be a great guy to play the game that way. 
Do you know what changed baseball as far as using relief pitchers? Do you remember? The No, the Nasty Boys. The Nasty Boys are the ones, because when Sparky Anderson was the manager, yeah, he went righty-lefty, but you had to go three innings. Pitchers were going three innings to get a save back then. What changed baseball was the Nasty Boys when Lou Pinella went seven, eight, and nine. And that's what changed baseball, because they won the World Series that year. And they beat a team in Oakland that was never supposed to get beat. Yeah, for sure, and they beat him with power, power, power pitching at the back end of the bullpen. Um, for I can absolutely see what you're you're saying there, um, but it's it, I don't I think it would have changed regardless of that happening because I think there's just too many power arms out there nowadays. There's so much specialization with it, it, kids at the youngest ages. I mean, we've got kids at 14 years old as pitcher only on summer baseball teams. And they're at this point in time at 14 doing driveline programs to try to throw harder. It's, it's ridiculous that they're not just playing the game of baseball. That's where I think a lot of it comes from. Because when I was a kid, man, and I assume this is the same when you, we were be in the church parking lot playing baseball with tennis balls and wiffle balls and broomsticks and whatever the hell we could get our hands on to play baseball. Yep. And they don't do that anymore. The closest they come to playing baseball when they're not a baseball practice or a baseball game is a video game. Like, there isn't the idea. I, I became a really good breaking ball hitter because me and my dad, every year, had a wiffle ball home run derby in the front yard, and he threw the nastiest wiffle ball curveball you've <laughs> ever seen. But I learned to hit a freaking curveball because I, I saw the wiffle ball one every year. And then I would sit in high school games and wait for somebody to throw me a hook. I would sit fastball or sit curveball and react fastball. That's because I had seen it. So they just don't play the game anymore. And kids, we see it every week watching college games. They don't know how to play baseball. No, they really don't. There's a difference between playing baseball and being a ball player. Like, I was not the greatest baseball player in the world, but I was a ball player. You need me to play center field, I'll go out there and play the best of my ability, better than most guys. You need me to catch, I'll catch. You need me to, you know what I mean? Like, guys that can do everything, can play every position, that can hit, go behind runners if they need to, but just play the game. Yep. And you don't have that anymore. It drives me nuts, man. Yep. Blake, we're I mean, almost... Some of, some of the unwritten rules, too, that drive me nuts that kids nowadays don't know. And, like, you know, when you or I are in a press box and we're like, Ooh, that was really bad sportsmanship by the other team. I can't believe they're not going to hit this guy. And they don't hit him. Now, nobody's ever rooting for anybody to be hit. But like, you, there are times in a baseball game where you send a message. You don't have to hit him to send a message. You can just throw it near him and he gets on his butt. Um, Blake, and, and when, that kind of stuff just doesn't happen anymore. When, when, when I played, if you went after somebody, if you, if you wanted to send a message to somebody, you either threw it high and in tight, not not aiming to hit them. You either threw it higher and tight, or you plunked them in the thigh. Yep. That's what you did. You threw the ball from the waist and below. These kids nowadays, I, I hesitate to say kids, but these players nowadays, they think retaliation is, i got to drill the guy in the head. Yeah, and that's, that's dangerous, right? Like a 90-mile-an-hour pass. Yeah. Um, Watch it take away freaking Kirby fucking sight, so... Um, 
There's it's, a, it's terrible, man. There's a way to get back at somebody and and not cause bodily injury. But hey, in, re, in reality, what it is is it's, it's it's the idea that you're willing to fight for your own team, willing to show, hey, we're not going to be rolled over, we're not going to be pushed around. If you're going to try to do things to us that we don't want to happen, we're gonna we're not going to take it. And that's a team that I love being around. Love the coaches, a team that fights, man. Well, we're almost the full month into the season now. And, boy, you take a look at the standings. The Reds are in last place, Blake. Now, they're not going to finish there. I mean, don't get me wrong, with a 9-12 and record. But as we go, I'll ask you one other quick question. Why are the Reds unable to hit on the road? I don't know. Um, I don't know. I, it's, it's a really... It's a really interesting conversation, a really interesting development that they have not been able to do anything offensively on the road. And it ain't going to get any better if they roll into L.A. to play the Dodgers tonight. Um, or tomorrow, I don't know. I think it's tomorrow. Yeah, tonight. Um, no, it is tonight. And it's not going to get any better. So I don't know the answer. I really don't. I know, obviously, you get comfortable hitting your own ballpark. They can be in your own ballpark. Um, it, it, you know, the sights and the, the sight lines and, you know, feeling where the pitch is going to come from. The Red, the Great American Ballpark does have a really good batter's eye um, behind the pitcher. But I, it's, it's one of those great conundrums of baseball. Who knows? Well, the like you said, the Reds are going to be in L.A. to take on the Dodgers tonight, tomorrow night, and then Wednesday afternoon at 4. And then they've got the Cubs coming to town over the weekend after Thursday being off. The Indians, on the other hand, they've got the Twins tonight, tomorrow night, and then Wednesday afternoon also, starting at 1 o'clock. Then they've got Thursday off, and then they've got the White Sox coming to town. So I'll tell you one thing, we're getting our fill of the Yankees, the White Sox, and the Twins over the first three weeks of the season. That's for sure, and we'll talk more about it next week, okay? All right, that's going to do it for tonight. Thanks for joining us here on the Ohio Baseball Weekly Show. For Blake Watson, I'm Dave Mitchell. We'll see you next Monday night again here on the Ohio Baseball Weekly Show. Have a good night, everybody.